Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. We want to take a moment to thank our reviewers. This review comes from Barbara Steve. Barbara says, great show, so uplifting and inspiring to listen to. Thank you for bringing support and awareness to the world. Barbara, thank you so much for your five-star rating and your review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Tom Riak is a breast cancer survivor, and he is known as the king of networking in Brazil. He is the host of three podcasts, a speaker, an author, and a founding member of the American Chamber of Commerce in Campinas, Brazil. Brazil. And however, you will hear that Tom is very much an American. Tom, thank you so much for take two and coming on. <laughs> <laughs> and sharing your story. <laughs> well, Andrew, I want to thank you. And really, we we take what we can get, right? And I think when we reach the phase of life that we have, every day is a new day, and we appreciate every day we have. So uh, here we are again, and a pleasure yes. to be with you. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you back. And as I had mentioned to you before, I've interviewed many, many breast cancer survivors but I have not interviewed a male breast cancer survivor and I know it's very rare. So would you please take us back to the beginning, give us kind of a sense of the time period and what happened, you know, did you have symptoms? How did it all start? I've got the conclusion that cancer is a three phase challenge. Okay. All right, just like in energy, we have monophasic, we have bifig, we have three phases. But I want to talk about the three phases that they, uh, as I have gone through them. And the first is discovery. All right. Uh, and before we get there, I am a male bre- breast cancer thriver. I'm 74. I'm an American living in Brazil. And I'm the podcast host for three business oriented podcasts. So the discovery uh, actually came uh, from filling a lump. Okay which is for women typical, for men right. not so much. Uh, and to your point, <clears throat> only 1% of men uh, get or have breast cancer. Very. So it is rare. Uh, to the point that I never thought that I had cancer. Uh, I didn't know it existed in a, as a breast cancer. So you just don't think that. Uh, but I had a lump, went to a doctor, was going to my heart doctor. Uh, I said, hey, I got something here. He, he checked it out. He says, hmm, that's important. And immediately got out of his office, went and had an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technician called in an, another specialist. So then when you see, hmm, this looks serious. So the specialist came in and he did the same thing. He went, hmm. So when I'm getting successive hmms, uh, it seems to be an answer. Or now, a were question. you in the States at this point but, or in uh, Brazil? Okay. No, no, in Brazil, Brazil. When I felt the lump the first time, I was okay. in the States. I was there traveling. Uh, I said, well, I got that. When I came back, I said, well, I'm going to investigate this. S- something different. 
And that's where it starts. So when I did get, so I felt this in July. I came back in August. And that's when I went to the doctor. And very quickly uh, suggested that I talk to a surgeon, have a biopsy, which I did. Uh, the biopsy checked and came back and verified that I did indeed have cancer. And that's the first time that surgeon mentioned the word of breast cancer. Okay. I very quickly said what he said I, I had, how he's going to handle it very matter, matter of factly, very objectively, very businesslike, uh, sort of shocked me because I was right. in shock. Uh, but anyway, Martha, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to take out both sides. We're going to do this and the, Treatments, this and that, hmm. and up until that point, I even had I hadn't told my wife. I really, hadn't told many people that I had this. You didn't even tell uh, your for wife a number of personal about reason. the lump. No, because at the same time in August, my daughter uh, had just had twins, and when those twins were born, obviously she started nursing. And I said, "Well, if I come out with this, uh, I, I I feel that my daughter might lose her milk." So I said, it's better to be quiet until we know exactly what's happening, all right? Uh, because at that point, when I saw this discovery, you're really trying to discover, all right? You hope it isn't. Uh, but I said, well, once I found out it was, then I told my wife. We went to the, the surgeon together. Uh, and again, uh, it's the lump, the ultrasound, the biopsies. Things were rather one right after another. Uh, the point that we go back and remember that we, we got a second yes. opinion, all right. And I think that for our listeners Very. is important. Uh, sometimes you can't, but I suggest do everything you can to get that. Uh, because the first uh, surgeon, uh, really what he came away with, my wife, uh, after she heard what I'd said I said I had, she called her gynecologist. And he is also a breast, can he's a, he's a, a breast specialist. And uh, she asked him, I said, well, you treat men? He said, yes. So there we went the next day with all of our exams under arm, sat it down, showed him. And that's what he says, bring everything you have here and we'll look at it. Uh, he too had been a family friend for years. We've known him for years. So he just sat down and looked at everything. And he says, yes, you do have cancer. And I said, well, we'd like to have your opinion. What do you think I should do? We should do. He said, well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I wouldn't do both at the same time. You only have it here. So what we're going to do is take it out here. And he says, there's only a 30% chance, not only in men, but when he said it made this, of it reoccurring on the other side. So I would rather just take it out on one side. And if later on you get it on the other side, we'll do it again. There's no reason to take, from his, his opinion, there's no reason to take it both out because you have a 70% chance that it right. might not happen. And so that's what we decided to do. And in that, the first thing I learned that really we need to communicate. I hadn't communicated. First of all, I was afraid to communicate. But secondly, I didn't know how to communicate. This. How did you not communicate? I know initially you didn't tell people, but how did you not communicate? Well, I kept it inside. I said, I really want to know what, what this is all about. I started investigating what is breast cancer? What's going to happen? Uh, and that involves a whole lot. That involves a head that is really not ready for this. The body's not ready. And the, the, the mind definitely is not. Uh, and, and at that moment. But 
I said, well, I have to get my head together. Uh, the surgeon did tell me something that made me uh, change my opinion about everything. He was very honest. He says, what we can do, what I can do is take out the cancer. I'm a surgeon. We'll take yeah. it out. I, I know a surgeon. It. He said, I cut things out. That's my job. Yeah, yeah. one well, says, and we'll take it out. But he says, the cure is in your head. So he says, from now on, and we were sitting, he says, from now on, uh, you have to change your lifestyle, what you're doing, something. Uh, so, so it's in your head. Secondly, and, and as important, he says, from today on, just do what you like. Don't do anything you don't like. As he said, and I think he was right, he says, up to this point, many things in your life you probably did and you didn't like them. Uh, and they probably generated stress. And that stress could be one of the causes that brought you here. So since we don't know, you don't know, I don't know, how many more days you have, take each day and just do what you want. Enjoy yourself. So that was a rearranging of my mind. I got up and went. I said, well, that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to do what I like. Uh, take a whole different aspect. I'm generally a, a fun, live, uh, living guy. I can be funny, I'm spontaneous, what have you. Uh, so I said, well, that's what I got to be. Why be sad? And why change? All right. So that, that was were that you, part. Were you doing anything in your life part, that you didn't like? I mean, was there something in particular? Uh, well, I don't, well there, there are a bunch of things we all do that we don't like. Uh, previously, I'd been an executive, worked in different companies. Uh, when you're talking about a corporate environment, the bottom line, uh, the bottom line not necessarily is your bottom line. Uh, it's somebody else's bottom line. Uh, so these things happen. That's life. Uh, you, you generally, as an executive, I specifically dedicated more of my time and energy to the company I was working for uh, than mm -hmm. to myself uh, or to my family or to my friends. And I'm not saying it's not true just for Tom. That's true sure. for a lot of people. All right. So it's that part that the doctor wanted me to wake up to. Uh, because he knows he talks to a lot of people, not only men and women. So, uh, so that's it. He says, you got to change your life. So what you have been doing up until now, he says, right, we can't put our finger, we can put our finger on the lump, but we can't put the finger on exactly what caused this. And his opinion, this comes from a whole lot of things, which is lifestyle, the way you are, everything. So something has to change. Now, how long ago was this? So give us some context. It's now 12 years ago. So Thankfully, very, uh, very pre, the point. pre COVID, thankfully. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Uh, but in any sense, it, it happened. Then the second phase, what I call is the action plan. All right. So we went through discovery. Then we get to the action plan. The action plan is actually a plan given to you by the surgeon, given to you by the oncologist, right? Uh, I heard, and everybody hears the word protocol, yeah. protocol, protocol. Uh, <laughs> but they're right. Depending, There are 200 types of cancer, more than 200 types of cancer out there. And even breast cancer, there are a number of types oh, of sure. breast cancer. So he says, first, we're going to take this out, the biopsy, we're going to have to examine that. It's going to take 15 to 20 days to figure out which one of these several types you have. That will show a protocol, and that's your action plan. So it's that waiting period of trying to figure out you have it. You're not really sure what you have, 
right, you have to wait 15 days to figure out what that is and go back to the oncologist. And then he's going to do the protocol. So what was right? your protocol? Exam. I hate that word though. I did. Well, part of that, well, 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 we learned to love it. But anyway, we, you know, it's a little slip of paper, writes down all the, the things you're going to do. But what struck me, the first meeting with the oncologist, he's come in, consulting, laid down, laid down. The first thing he did was examine my testicles. I said, it's up here. <laughs> Wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> he says, well, it's up there, but it can have migrated sure. to some other. It could have started somewhere else. He says, and in men, all right, and what he said, and this is to our audience, younger men today, since they're taking all these things to be muscle-bound and energized and a bunch of other things, he says, there are things happening to men, to younger men, and it starts in the testicles. And then it goes up to the breasts. And then it could go anywhere. But again, protocol, <laughs> he has to yeah. check everything. So he checks the testicles, you have to check this, the bone, everything. It could be everywhere else. We, we, he, it was found here. But then you have to see the whole rest of the body. Because it could be another nooks and crannies. We don't know that. But those are the protocols. It's a word that is used. It's a word that we do need to accept because this is a worldwide thing. Cancer is not Brazil. It's not the United States. It's not oh, Europe. Sure. It's everywhere. Now, did he rule there out cancer? People, there are people researching it Did he everywhere. rule out cancer in other parts right. of your body or that it originated somewhere else? No, it was ruled out. But until that point again, you don't know. And so that becomes the phase, I say, after the action plan and the protocol, and my protocol was chemotherapy for like four sessions of every three weeks. And after that, it would be 20-some days of radiation therapy. And after that, would be five years of taking tamoxifen. They put so you on tamoxifen? I didn't even know they put men on tamoxifen. Yes. Well, you didn't even know men had it. So well, I knew men. Know. I mean, I knew men could get breast cancer, which is rare, and, and I'm very fortunate that you're the very first male breast cancer survivor I've been able to interview, but I did not know that they put men on tamoxifen. Yes. They, and why did they do that? Why did my doctors and oncologists say that's why. the protocol? There's very little information about breast cancer in men. The information, the research, the statistics... Yeah, sure, women. of course. Uh, my surgeon, fortunately, had studied for many years in Europe, in Italy specifically, and he had also specialized in male breast oh, cancer. Oh, wow. And he said, there too, there's very little research. So in all of that, doctors use what they have. So, And, and, and when they recommended that to me, that was because of how they thought it the origin right. of that had to take it. So, so what were the side it. effects? I know what they are for women, but for men with tamoxifen. Well, a bunch. Your liver gets fat. Your cholesterol goes up. Uh, you get fat. Uh, you, it changes. Right. It's a hormonal thing. Right. So I didn't put on a dress and dance around. It's not to that extent. All right. But. Uh, it, it, you're taking medicine, you're taking something on a daily basis that affects right. your whole system. Right, that's why I asked. 
And what did, and previous to that, having going through chemotherapy, that also affects you. And again, it can affect each of us in a different way. Uh, the, the radiation therapy is just a, a very great sunburn, and that's a burn. Let me ask you, because I know some people have said chemotherapy was the worst, and other people said radiation was the worst. Um, which was the worst for you? None of them are good. I know, but which one's the All worst? Right. None, of, none of them are good. Uh, it's a hard question to answer. Because when you're in the middle of anything, it's the worst. Once you come out the other side, right, chemotherapy, uh, the number of sessions. What changed me, back to the point uh, of communication, I asked other people to help me when I, once I figured it out. I said, I need to get more information from people who yeah. have had this. Not necessarily men. The people I knew, our friends, women uh, had it. And one of our best friends was a woman who had double cancer and double breast cancer. So she was my mentor. She was my guru. And I would call her, her name was Olivia. And then say, Olivia, because while she was in her chemo process, my wife would help her through the session. So I says, nothing better. And this is for anybody listening. Talk to somebody who's been there. Get help from somebody. They could be a friend. They could be a mentor. It could be a dole. But you, you need, I think... And that's one of the things that helped me speaking with, there were no men. I couldn't go out and ask men because there aren't any. So women and Olivia helped me through that. She sort of coached me on what the chemo would be about because doctors don't necessarily tell you everything. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. They're telling you it as it is. And since it does affect each person differently, so, but she would, she would prime me. says, well, you know, I said, well, the first session was really, I didn't feel anything. Okay. The second one, a little bit more. The third one was really when I felt chemo. All right. Because then you figure out, she said, and the doctor says, You're, we're accumulating that in our system. So they give you a, a quantity of whatever it is really to get you to the next one. And maybe you miss a day or a week or whatever. So, you're getting really more than you need. But that, again, that's the protocol. So the third and the fourth sessions were not very right. much fun. Yeah. I think it was the third, lost my hair. Uh, I started becoming physically, I looked like the Michelin doll. I started getting fatter. I was getting uh, full of everything. So you can physically see yourself yeah. changing. Uh, the sessions right after each session, maybe the second or third day, uh, you don't want to do anything. I couldn't get out of bed. So the, that's the part. So that, that, that isn't fun. And I'm saying it's hard, but I'd stay in bed. Didn't want to eat. Lost all sense of flavor, smell. Uh, so Olivia would say, eat jello, eat jello. So <laughs> lots of jello. <laughs> no, but there's the little things that, you know, we really love jello at a time like that because you don't, you hate yeah. everything else. Uh, but we got through it, and she would help me in that. So that was the good part. The radiation therapy, again, if you have like 20-some sessions, the first bunch, you don't feel it. Oh, I would. I it's would. Really I'm last... translucent. Well, <laughs> I promised you I would. <laughs> well, 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 all right. Well, it could be. But again, it right. affects everybody differently. So, But as we got closer to the end, the intensity, the absorption, the body's just absorbing. You're, you're, you're literally yeah. being burned. 
So it's like laying out in the sun more than you should. And so that burning hurts, all right? So the skin changes and that hurts. So that's a physical burn. Uh, the chemotherapy is a different right. feeling. The chemo, when I was in the middle of it, it I, I felt like I wanted to get out of my body. And I think people who've gone through it might have felt the same thing. You just, you, I feel like I didn't fit inside myself. There was something happening that I couldn't control. And that's probably all the reaction to everything. So it's different types of good and bad yeah, and all this. No. Uh, Tom, what was your worst moment? The worst moment really came after all this. Okay, tell us. It was really part of communication of having to tell business colleagues and clients what had happened. Because up until that point, I, I was doing it, I say by myself, with my family. Um, but since I'm a, a self-employed person, as many people are today, I'm the business. Yeah. So, so I was sick, but the business was sick. And so how do you adjust to that? Because when you're sick, it's an economical situation too. Yeah. So, so how, do you, how do you communicate business-wise? So I did it, told everybody up front. But that's the hard part because then you realize that those persons who were your clients or friends, it really weeds out the friends and the clients. Clients are never real friends. They could be friendly. Uh, but even to the friends, uh, Many people that are friends, they don't know how to handle yeah, this with you. All right. So, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's the way it is. So you do realize that you depend on a very small group yeah. of support. That's your family, hopefully, uh, the persons that I had helping me. Uh, other women that I met in chemo, I became, it was my networking part. So my, my chemo colleagues were women mostly, and we'd share our stories. They'd share their stories. And it was through many of those stories I heard, wow, you really got it good compared to what's happening to some of these women who are my friends. Fortunately, I found it right. early. Unfortunately, many women find it oh, later. Sure. Yeah, if you've been told you have dense breast tissue. Uh, yeah, you or just, anything. That's yeah. any type of cancer. So uh, since I was theoretically healthy, and that's sort of funny because you got cancer and then the doctor's over oh, here. <laughs> other healthy. than that. Other than that, little Other than thing. that. But, but what he said, the, the good side, and there's a good side and a bad side. The good side, since you are healthy, physically able, we're going to give you the highest amount of chemo that you can handle. Okay, good and bad. The good, that's good. But for women, for many of my, my friends, uh, they couldn't handle that because they were maybe debilitated more than I was. So physically, they couldn't handle the charge that could have been given. And these are things you learn as you go. So to all of our audience, the sooner you try to discover, the sooner you should discover, the better. Always for anything. I really appreciate you talking about business colleagues. Because I don't, I don't know anyone's really talked about that before. Because yeah, if you're self-employed and you're the face of your business, it's it's very difficult because it, it really impacts it whether people will stay with you or not. I mean, right? Yeah. Well, most of them didn't, and why? And I can understand that. 
if the doctor looked at me straight in the face and says, well, I can't tell you how much longer you have. Imagine saying that to a client. Why would a client want to give me more service if theoretically I could die at yeah. any moment? Now, that's maybe an objective way of looking, but that's the way it is. And when you're in business, you're not out for charity. You're out to exchange value, either my time or information yeah. for money. Bingo. And that's it. So to the client side, they weren't wrong, uh, but yeah. that's what happened. It basically, well, also, it also stopped because I really right. couldn't do anything. Physically, during the chemo, I really wasn't able to do anything. I didn't feel right, like doing anything. So why would I entice a person to do business with me when I couldn't do the other side and deliver? So that's a challenge. And that, so that whole year of, of chemo, of uh, radiation, another six months, because it takes like six months to wean out of everything that's in your body. It's just not a click, you know, so after chemo, you're done. No, the body needs six months, maybe a year uh, to clean yeah. itself up. So, and that all happened. So it was that year was sort of, I want to call it a lost year. It was a year that I wasn't economically mm. functioning. Then the, the next phase was tamoxifen, which is it's less in, invasive, all right? And that was the, the third phase, which I call recovery and prevention. So the prevention part for me is the tamoxifen, so five years of taking something. Recovery is the rest of changing your lifestyle, uh, communicating and, you know, uh, changing, uh, talking more to your body, understanding your body in a different way than I had done previously which I really didn't pay any attention to in my body. But that's where we are. It's the body ah. and the mind. So uh, from that, those days forward, uh, I really couldn't do much with my body because that was it. everybody else was doing something with it. Uh, but I, I tried to do something with my mind. And part of that doing something with my mind is back to my podcast. What was I doing also uh, when I had cancer? That was, I had an internet radio program created Did in you 2009. So that was pre-cancer. Well, I stopped okay. it during the chemo because right. I really couldn't. And that program, I got in touch with the owner and I said, I got cancer. I'm going to be doing chemotherapy. I won't be able to continue. And he said, well, uh, what we'll do, we'll keep your time slot open until somebody comes and wants it. If somebody wants it, I'll let you know. Uh, other than that, I'll keep replaying the previous shows that you had recorded and we'll be in touch and you let me know what's happening. And uh, that was in October when I had the surgery and everything else. And in that January, uh, he sent me an email and said, I just, for your information, you know, how you doing all that stuff, but sort of how you doing, are you still there? Uh, and, but you know, he was interested. We're here just just for you to know that your the replays of your previous shows are getting like four thousand downloads wow. a month. So that's what I says. Wow, I'm here feeling like a pile of whatever, and something that I did is resonating for other people. So to me, that was what I said. That that charged my battery at the time where my battery yeah. was dead. Because I was pretty depressed. When you're in chemo, you're depressed. I have to admit it. I, there's nothing that people can say that will make you happy. There was nothing that we could say to me that would make me happy. I wasn't happy. But that message invigorated was, me. Was that your best says, moment? Wow. Or was there another one? 
that was the most uh, remarkable moment because that was something. Uh, I've had other moments from people who were closer to me, all right, Uh, that were great, from grandchildren, what have you. Uh, Those are priceless. But to get that from a third party, a person who is not a a family member, I would consider him a business colleague. Uh, To get something, that type of feedback, is more than priceless. It's really what I needed because it was something that I could do like we're doing right now from my home, from my microphone, from my desk and talk to the world as I had done having cancer or not. So I I really got back into part of my environment and a working environment. The face-to-face business consulting thing died. Got it. But this part of the communication, the internet radio uh, really kept me going. It gave me something to do that I thought was valuable. It was valuable. It was probably more valuable to me uh, than the persons I was interviewing, my sponsors. Maybe initially. Right? <clears throat> no, no, but, but to be fair, all right? So, you know, people don't realize how much that, how much good that comes to you, all right? And what it does to you. That's, that's a feeling it's hard to feel. Uh, you felt it, but um, I think maybe we can share yeah. that in points. But, that was my restarter. That was my rebirth, whatever. The rest of the phases was restarting. I, had, I was a speaker, so, and I, I had been and, and continued to be invited to speak afterwards. Then I started to be invited to speak about cancer. I was speaking about networking. So I'm the king <laughs> of networking. Uh, and then I started speaking to women, uh, female groups, and not only about networking for women, yeah. but cancer. All right, because as I mentioned, many of my colleagues were women, and I had seen uh, women suffer multiple ways of suffering. First was the physical suffering of having cancer. Second, here in Brazil, I'm sure it may be the same way in other places, being abandoned by their spouses or friends or partners because they have cancer. So that was, to me, seeing that happen, more devastating. You know, it's like kicking a dog. It, it, it doesn't make sense, but it yeah, happens. Yeah, it does happen. So, so when a woman is in that situation, has lost part of her physical self, may have lost the economical sustaining that she had as a partner, now she's out in the world. She has to do something. So to restart, to be a startup, an inter- uh, entrepreneur, to do anything, it's really difficult. So these were the groups that I would talk to. These were the groups that asked me to talk to them. So leaders of these groups. So that's really what I would share. And so that was the business sense. I says, we have, or we could have, or had a physical situation, but we got to get back to business. How do we get over this? Tom, let me. So it's how do we come out the other side? And I imagine you might, might share this in some of your talks. What is one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning of your cancer journey? very beginning, I wish I had known that the cancer, the male breast cancer mm-hmm. existed. Uh, you know, it, it, it was there a way, could there have been a way that could be prevented? Probably not. Uh, but uh, just to be, get the wake up call of something that you yeah. didn't even know exists. I probably could have paid more attention to my body before. Okay. Uh, that might've happened. But again, the other side of that, 
how do you value friendship? How do you value business? And how do you value uh, business colleagues? Uh, and we do have to place a value because in, we need to sustain ourselves. So I have to That's ask true. you this. If you could only do one mm -hmm. thing to improve healthcare, and you can choose either in Brazil or the U.S., but you only get to choose one country, what would it be and why? I'll choose in the States because here in Brazil, we have a, a governmental okay. health plan that all Brazilians have access to. It's not the best. But there's access. But uh, but it's okay. there. It's access. All right. For not only for cancer, for everything else. And from what I see here and know from my relatives and my own mother who just passed away years ago and how Americans are so dependent, you either have or you don't yeah. have it. Healthcare, and as we age, you don't have to age. You can have a health requirement at a very young age, and if you don't have a support system, if if the the country, your community, if it's not there, you're economically devastated. Yeah. And people have always asked me, why don't you go back to the states? You know, because I've been here for like fifty years, and years ago I said I I can't go back. First of all, I couldn't afford a health plan there because as we're getting older, it becomes right. more expensive. Uh, and regardless of the expense, maybe you can't Wait, even get it. But you would, so I says, you functionally, would call Medicare by now, right? I don't know. It's not something that I want right. to go back and see. All right. Uh, so and, at, and then after having cancer yeah. and everything else, you say, wow. And even here in Brazil, once you have all these pre-existing conditions, uh, you have to stay where you are, more or less. Uh, laws have changed here in Brazil. Things are better. I'm not saying that's fantastic, uh, but you're not put right. out in the street. Uh, so those are things. And that's not only for the states. That's sort of worldwide. Uh, health problems are worldwide. It's global. Uh, there are two, you know, 8 billion people out there, and the vast majority suffer from something. Yeah. And what we see and hear every day here in Brazil, Europe, Africa, uh, people literally dying because they don't have access yeah. to anything. So it, 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 what I did have and do have uh, obviously place a higher value once you really see uh, how much you need it. Because I really, I could have been dead. I could have, you know, you could not have been, you know, but today could not have happened, right? Because if I hadn't had adequate uh, health care, I probably wouldn't be here talking with you or anybody else. So I am fortunate to have that. Other people in other parts of the world yeah. uh, aren't so. So, And I know that in the States, it's a political issue. It's back and forth. It's up and down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't want to get there. But if we don't offer, and I'm saying a community is a community of people. If we don't take care of our people, we don't take yeah. care of our community. All right. Are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? All right, you knew these Go were ahead. coming. Okay, you knew. So, <laughs> got to do homework, homework, homework. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Brazil. I'm in Brazil. Oh, but Brazil is a big country. Not everybody lives on the beach. <laughs> yeah, but I was born in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh didn't have a beach. <laughs> okay, so. fair point. Um, what is one word that best describes you? Integrity. Oh, I almost forgot. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beach Boys. Uh, before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? 
It's a Brazilian song. And I'll translate it to you. It's, it would be a samba school song, which is one of the first songs that I heard and learned in the States before I even came here. And that song is a river that passed through my Portuguese? life. Is it Portuguese, song? No, yeah. it's in Portuguese. It's a Brazilian song. In Portuguese, it's O Rio Que Passou Na Minha Vida. The river that passed in my life. And that river is the samba school, which is all blue. And as they parade down, it's all blue. And, and that's the river that passed oh, through my so life. Pretty. So seeing the whole group sambaing, dancing, and fantastic. And, and that, that music struck me like, you know, 50-some years ago. So that's probably the music I want them to play when I'm going. What about the last meal you want to eat? Hmm. It probably will be Brazilian cheese bread. Oh, that sounds good. Yes, that sounds really it good. It is. It is good. Very good. What about good. the last person or people you want to see? Well, I'd like to see my wife. I hope she's here. I hope we're together. And that would be what I'd like. And the last words you will speak. I'll probably wear that on my chest and we'll be, see you, see you on the other side. <laughs> and aside from Cancer you, what's one resource that you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please be sure to tell people how they can get in touch with you. There are so many different associations, organizations worldwide uh, for cancer awareness. So wherever you live, whoever you are, uh, there are local groups, there are if you're in a state, states or provinces, you will find people, uh, help groups, uh, reach out and keep reaching out uh, and find a friend, find somebody. That, obviously, when we get back to trust level, uh, you need to trust. There are many things here, second opinions, third opinions. You do have to find somebody that you're going to look them in the eye and they're going to look you in the eye yeah. and tell it straight. Yeah, for sure. And how can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn, uh, they can find me. It's Tom Rioch, T-O-M-R-E-A-O-C-H. Uh, in Portuguese, if you want to look for Ohei do Networking, which is the king of networking, I'm in number one place in Google. Uh, I'm not there yet with the king of networking, but if you put king of networking Brazil, you might find okay. me. So try it. We will put links to those in the workshop and the show notes. Tom, thank you for doing this. Take number two. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks to our listeners. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.